0: We start in Carborough where at the most recent meeting the Carborough Town Council heard final recommendations from the community safety task force. They ended up offering five recommendations and those recommendations include developing a non-police crisis response system that would also involve reallocating some department funds and services to that system creating an advisory board to monitor these recommendations and also reform to some policies and improving data collection. Carborough Mayor Barbara Fushi says she hopes to see all five of these recommendations become policy. She also says there's still work to do. They will stay recommendations until the council formally decides what direction they want to go in. I recommend that we implement all five in some form or another, um, I'm also in favor of creating this Office of Community Safety where all of this work can be housed. But certainly there'll be, um, you know, more formal discussions. We also were had two of our council members that were absent. Um, and so, you know, we kind of got to discuss this again and, and allow them time to get up to speed um, from the work session we had on Tuesday night. Carborough Mayor Barbara Fushi speaking there. Carborough Town Council get this, gets this week off as the Assembly of Governments meeting will be happening tonight. They will meet again next Tuesday. About that Assembly of Governments, that's at 7 o'clock at the Southern Human Services Center. And that's a gathering of the mayors and town councils and boards of commissioners from Chapel Hill, Carborough, and Orange County. They'll hear an update on the One Orange Racial Equity Plan and an update on the proposed behavioral health diversion facility for Orange County. We learned a little bit more about an incident from Jordan Matthews' basketball game on Friday night down in Chatham County. It happened during the Jordan Matthews versus Cummings varsity game. Cummings is a high school in Burlington. During that game, an altercation involving a group of Cummings fans broke out for reasons yet to be determined. In an attempt to restore order, Jordan Matthews principal April Burko stepped in and was knocked to the ground. Investigators found it was 18-year-old Jamari Amir Jones of Burlington who knocked her to the ground. Jones is now facing charges of assault on a school employee and disorderly conduct. Chatham County Sheriff's Office investigation into the incident's ongoing and could result in further charges. Turn to some state news now. A federal judge has temporarily blocked a new state election law that tightens rules for same-day registration during an early voting period. Law would nullify a person's ballot after one undeliverable notice to their mailed address. That's down from two undeliverable notices previously. District Judge Thomas Schroeder said the potential violated voters due to due process rights if they were disenfranchised due to a mailing error. Republicans will work to tweak the law to ensure that it will take effect later this year. Turning to Carborough now for an arts story, Contra dancing is a popular folk dance throughout the Appalachian region that has origins in the 17th century, and there are some local groups that organize gatherings to do the dance. But now Contra dancing is incorporating some 21st century changes. Some dances are moving away from the traditional pairings of ladies and gents and going gender neutral. As Sierra Pfeiffer reports for Carolina Connection, it's a big transition for an activity that hasn't changed much in 200 years.
1: All right, everybody take a deep breath. Let's do this. Contra dancing has been part of America almost since the nation was founded. It's similar to square dancing, except the couples are arranged in long lines. More than 200 contra dance groups around the country twirl and do-si-do to traditional and more modern music. you <laughs> The monthly dances at the Carborough Century Center not only feature 70s pop classics, but also another break with tradition. We have transitioned to gender-free calling at this particular dance, and so a couple is going to be made up of a lark and a raven. That's caller Emily Rush, and she's referring to couples as larks and ravens, rather than ladies and gents.
2: Ravens,
1: turn by the right, find your partner and swing. Gender neutrality is a trend as contra dancing has spread beyond its country roots to bigger cities, suburbs, and college towns like Carborough. One recent survey found more than 100 non gender dance groups across the nation. Rita Bennett Chu is the president of the group that hosted the Carborough event. I really dig like callers being creative, callers being inclusive. And as an organizer, I think the number one thing that's important is to make everybody feel welcome. Five, six, seven and oh, one, two, three, four. Oh, yeah. I probably won't come to a dance unless I know for sure that the caller is doing non-gendered calling. That's Beck Muffelman, who's non-binary. Not really wanting to be labeled um, either gent or lady. Hearing that repetition over was just kind of like nails on a chalkboard. But why larks and ravens? They're distinct enough to be understood over music, and they start with L and R to correspond to the partners on the left and the right. Some callers use robins instead because ravens are culturally significant to North American indigenous groups. Country dance historian David Millstone says these words have been a major transition away from contradancing's original roots.
0: Contradancing historically stems from English country dance, which is a very gendered form of dance, um, typically men and women lining up as couples to dance in long lines.
1: Millstone says a big reason people dance is to meet romantic partners. So it's not surprising gender roles have changed in contradancing as they've changed in society. Still, he says it's not easy for everyone to accept.
0: The argument that it's more inclusive doesn't ring completely true because it, it does tend to exclude some older dancers, people who are accustomed to one role uh, and one set of terminology.
1: Your does does. Back in Carborough. Mark Rosso has been contra dancing for more than 20 years and says non-gendered terms have pros and cons.
0: I'm an experienced dancer and I sometimes have to pause, like, am I a lark, am I a raven? It takes me a while, even though I'm experienced, so I enjoy it when I don't have to make that extra effort, but I do appreciate um, a wider variety of people here. But as
1: the music flared across the hardwood floor, Rosso and most of the other dancers were focused on trying to keep up with the caller and have a good time, not on what they and their partners were called. In Carborough, I'm Sierra Pfeiffer.
0: Carolina Connection is a student-produced radio newscast from the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media. As they settle back into classes this semester, the show will return for its latest season in just a few weeks, airing right here on 97.9 The Hill, Saturday mornings at 8.30. Time now to talk sports, and we've got some fun basketball to get to in sports. Men's basketball team just keeps on winning, and I'm going to be honest, we won a lot of games that I don't feel very confident they would have won last year, and I think last night maybe Exhibit 1A for that. It was a shaky start, back-and-forth game throughout the first half. Actually, the buzzer sounded to conclude that first half with the heels down one. Stayed close through the first part of the second half, too. We had Armando Baycott struggling. And then R.J. Davis just pretty much, well, took over. Game tied at 41. Ingram gets switched on to Miller. That's a size advantage for Ingram. Double team comes. Out to Cadeau. Extra pass. Ends up left corner to Davis. 4-3. First one of the night for the Heels. Here comes Carolina the other way with a three-point lead. Cadeau whips it to R.J. Transition triple. Count it, baby! Jones Angel on the call for the Tar Heels Sports Network. R.J. ended up with a career-high 36 points. It's the most any Tar Heels scored in a game in the last eight years when Bryce Johnson did it. It's the most points in a home game for the Tar Heels since Tyler Hansbrough back in 2008. Here's Hubert Davis after the game on RJ's performance. You
2: know, his just ability for a number of things, but specifically his scoring. You know, he can score with the ball in his hands, off the ball. His ability to be able to finish at the rim. um, The way that Wake was playing us defensively. Um, He was able to get to that mid-range, that floater. That's a shot that he's worked on a lot throughout his career. Feels really comfortable, and he was able to hit that. And then that set up his ability to be able to shoot the ball from three. And he was in a great rhythm tonight. He's been in a great rhythm all season. It was the first time as a player and as a coach that I can remember the Smith Center crowd chanting a player's name. And I'm just really proud of him. I I think, you know, he's had a – a terrific career, but I feel like this year he's finally getting noticed, and I'm just really happy for him.
0: That's Hubert Davis there speaking about RJ Davis, no relation. Tar Heels are off until Saturday. They'll host Florida State. Got some good news for the men's basketball team off the court as well, as two of next year's incoming freshmen, Drake Powell and Ian Jackson, have both been named McDonald's All-Americans, so congratulations there. We've got some current Tar Heel players in other sports winning accolades as well. Deja Kelly is one of five players of the week, according to the USBWA. Ronza Vasquez Montano is the ACC Diver of the Week once again. Fiona Crawley is your ACC Player of the Week in Women's Tennis. And the doubles team of Reese Brantmeyer and Elizabeth Scotty are the doubles team of the week for the ACC. Congratulations to all those Tar Heels.